that was a little glimpse into the work that happens with our kids every single Sunday and different events, different things we do during the week. Isn't that cool to see? Uh, these kids are across the hall right now having so much fun. Now, you saw some of the pictures in this little you know, montage were from other Mariners Church campuses as well, including Mariners Irvine. And uh, we showed you those on purpose because one day very soon, like in the first part of next year, our kids' facility is going to look that awesome too. Isn't that sweet? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, is that it's already awesome. Like what's happening over there right now with volunteers and, and some of your kids, uh, it's already amazing. And so why would you deprive yourself of the privilege of being involved in the lives of kids and serving just because you're waiting until the building's fancier, right? No one wants to do that. You're missing out. There's so much fun and exciting things happening over there in the children's ministry, in junior high, in high school. How cool was summer, this junior high student? Is this you, Rad? You get to work with fun people like that. And, or you could be like the parking heroes that were out there saving your spots amid Carmageddon, right? Or the volunteer band members or the setup and teardown crew. There's all kinds of ways that you can serve and be a part of this awesome church. And, you, and then you'll feel like you're really like integrated into the cool thing that God is doing here. Such a unique and special thing that he's doing and that we're witnessing. And you could play just a little bit more of a role in that. So if you want to do that, there's a volunteer table out there on the patio. In addition to the step-in stuff, you can stop there. You can just get some more information see what might work for you to step in and volunteer. So... Do that. It's a great way to be connected and part of our church. My name's Caleb Anderson. If we haven't met yet, I'm the lead pastor here. And we're continuing a series today called Listen. And we're talking about the fact that God still speaks. It's not a question of whether or not he speaks. It's not even a question of, question of whether or not you're good enough or spiritual enough or holy enough or whatever for him to speak to you. That's not the question. The question is, are you listening? And last week we talked about uh, how to listen with our ears, but the problem is that we have so much noise that's kind of filling our heads and ears and distractions and things, and that we actually need to learn to tune out some things in this life so that we can tune in to what God might be saying to us uniquely. Today we're talking about how to listen with our eyes, that we can see, that we can hear, that God can speak to us by, by what we See Now, this is, a, this is a tricky one, and I want to just kind of up front say that there are ways that this can get weird, and I don't want you to go to the weird extent. You know the weird extent that I'm talking about. It's, it's the people, you've been around them, who, who see the devil under every rock, you know? It's just like something happens, I stub my toe, and it's like, oh, Satan, you know? I mean, or, or maybe you're going to Costco, and you're pulling in, and it's a Sunday because you were dumb enough to go to Costco on a Sunday, and you... <laughs> And you pull in there and it's just packed, but all of a sudden, just like the, the, everything aligns and there's like this, this ah thing, you almost hear it audibly, ah, and this car backs out and it's right there. It's, it's the first parking spot in front of the entrance. And you're like, the favor of God, he's speaking to me. This must mean that I'm supposed to miss church on Sundays and do my Costco shopping on Sundays. No, that's not God speaking to you. You're not seeing God in that parking spot. That's not, that's not a thing. Now, God is, the, God is the creator of all things, and he can work that. He can, he can speak and show up in different ways, right? But we, we have a tendency, some of us, to look and to look too far and to get too weird with it, like people who find God in their food. You know these people? 
So maybe you've participated in one of our awesome pancake breakfasts out here that we've done in the parking lot, and maybe your pancake came on your plate looking like this. You're like, oh, I knew I was supposed to be in church today. The Savior is on my plate, you know. Can, am I supposed to, can I eat them? Am I, how does this work? Or maybe you're more of a fruit person and you slice into an orange and all of a sudden it's just like, the God of the universe, the redeemer of my soul. He's in the vitamin C portion of my orange and the nutrients that's in my soul as well. And, you know, and you're just overthinking this kind of stuff. Or maybe, maybe you're getting food ready for your kids and you pull the frozen pizza out of the oven and you're like, this, this thing is... Jesus in my pizza. <laughs> kids, kids, look here. Let's have a teachable moment. You know, God is watching you and everywhere you are. And or maybe it's the fish stick. Have you ever have you seen the Jesus fish stick? There it is. Right? It's just kind of haunting. And, and maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's kind of a, a weird degree that we could go with trying to see God in too many ways. Because God has designed and he's orchestrated this universe and this world in such a way that there's natural laws and there's principles and there's things that he has lined up. He just created it this way. And if you put in something, you're going to get out the, the byproduct of that thing. If you work hard, you're going to have good results. If you do this, you're, you're going to get that. And so it's, it's, it's just the way he's wired it. Now, he can also, because he's God, intervene whenever he wants, but it's silly for us to kind of overdo it and, and look into all these things and think, oh, my relationship got ruined and it's Satan, or you're just like a sarcastic, critical person that she doesn't want to be with, you know, I mean, one or the other. And so, and so you, you, we don't want to go that far, but we do want to pay attention because there are a very, there's a few really clear ways that we can see God, for sure. Maybe some of the other ones too. I don't want to rain on your you know, food parade if you've had a special moment. But, but, but for, for sure, here are three things that we can know, places that we can actually for sure see Jesus. And right up front though, I want, to, I want a little caveat. I want to make sure that we understand when it comes to seeing God, you cannot directly see the God of the universe. Look at what he said to his servant Moses in Exodus 33, Moses said, God, show me your glory. Come on, we're boys. Like, like show yourself to me. You're invisible and you're doing stuff and, and I see some fire and some clouds and things like that, but, but show me who you are in all of your glory and splendor. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face no one can see my face and live. Like he's that big, he's that incredible, that magnificent, that bright and brilliant that if you saw him, it would melt your eyes and your skull. You just can't contain it. You can't do it. As human beings, we just can't look upon how incredibly big and great he is. C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, the series and the movies, you know, you know what I mean. That guy, C.S. Lewis, he said that if you could see the person next to you, if you could see them in their spiritual perfected state, like on the other side of this earth, like, like when the skin and bones are gone and you could just see their spiritually perfected selves and the imprint of God, that you would fall over in amazement and you wouldn't be able to believe how incredibly glorious and beautiful a person is. You're looking at your husband, you're like, 
Chris Hemsworth, please. You know, I see, I see your beautiful spiritual, you know, I see that. You're just magnificent. That's just a glimpse of God, the creator of all things, the sustainer, the one. He's so big, so powerful that you cannot look on him without having your head melt. Now, that's why Jesus came and became like one of us. God put on skin so that we could see him and relate to him. Here's what John 14 says. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Show us this God. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So when you look at Jesus, you're looking at that God that's so big and incomprehensible that you just can't even take it in, but he put on skin so that we could see him, know him, and get a glimpse of who this God really actually is. We directly see God through Jesus. And so we look at the scriptures because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. And as we read those words, we get a glimpse of Jesus. We hear the words that he spoke. We see the miracles that he's done. We see how they've changed lives and how they're still speaking to us today. We look at his word because Jesus is in it. Now, even still, you might say, well, then what good is the Old Testament or then the letters after, you know, the Gospels about Jesus? Even the Old Testament is pointing. Did you know that? It's pointing toward Jesus. It's pointing toward him. And the letters that are written after the Gospels about Jesus are pointing back to him and clarifying and saying, hey, this might be how it plays out in your everyday life some more. Here's some ways to think about that. And here's how you guys should weave that in and think about it. So the whole scripture really is relevant and gives us glimpses of who this God is. The simplest and most obvious place to see and hear from God is in his word, in the Bible. So we listen to Jesus by, number one, if you have your outlines, looking into the scriptures. Now, I realize that some of you have a love-hate relationship with the Bible, because it's like a diet. And you're just like, I know I should read some more, but I just can't seem to get there. I'm going to start tomorrow, you know. We get, we get in and we get stumbled. We, we, there's reasons why. But it can often just seem so hard or so disconnected or we can't find the patterns or the places to read and we just, we just can't seem to get to where we want to be. But I want to tell you some interesting things about the Bible that just might encourage you, might inspire you to give it a little bit more of a look. There are... 66 books in the Bible, and they were written on three continents in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and by 40 different people over 1,600 years. That's a long time. Some of the accounts are historical, some are eyewitness, some were researched, some were poetic, some are inspirational letters. And the authors had varying backgrounds and educations to the extent of kings wrote part of the Bible, shepherds wrote part of the Bible, the highest of the high in their cultures, the lowest of the low in their cultures, scientists wrote part of the Bible, an attorney, tax collector, army general, fishermen, priests, and a physician. A doctor wrote a, book, a couple of books in the Bible. And here's the deal, even with all of that, Three continents, 
three different languages, 40 different people, 1,600 years, all those different backgrounds, there still aren't contradictions in all these texts. Now, you've probably heard someone say something to the contrary. There's a few things that people point to in saying these are contradictions. But if you actually look at them and study them, they're pulled out of context. And if you put them in context, you can see that they're really not obvious contradictions. Even in that whole scope, 1,600 years, 66 different books, it's unbelievable. The Bible is truly unbelievable. It was printed in 1454 for the first time on the Gutenberg Press. Did you know it was the first book ever printed and bound? ever. And as technology changes and evolves, the Bible keeps being right there at the forefront, the first thing that people want to put out. Six billion Bibles are in print, and 50 new Bibles are created every single minute. 2,000, well over 2,000 languages the Bible has been translated into. It's the best-selling book of ever. Year after year, it still continues to be the most the best-selling book. It's definitely the most shoplifted book in the history of the world. 168,000 Bibles are sold or given away every single day. You know who told us that? The Gideons, the people who put those Bibles with the stickers in the hotel rooms. I wonder if they're going to start doing it in your house if like, if like you're on Airbnb. You know, they're like, you need to have this in your home if you're going to The Bible can be read out loud in 70 hours. Maybe we'll try that some Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or something like that. You know, the only domestic animal not mentioned in the Bible? The cat, for good reason. <laughs> that, was just for, that was just for one dude here who needed that ammo. So scientific facts, scientific facts were, are talked about in Scripture far before, far before they're realized and proven by science later on. For instance, Job, in the book of Job, which is one of the oldest books, Job says that, there's, that the earth is this cil- cylinder, it's this, it's this circular thing that's suspended. And at the time, everyone believed, all the scientists believed that the earth was flat. And yet Job says, no, 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 it's different than that. He would have no way of knowing historically accurate. So still, science is proving things time and time again today. Even, even in the last 50 years, archaeology has proven things that the Bible says, and it keeps, it keeps on happening. There's fulfilled prophecies all through Scripture. In fact, 3,200 verses are fulfilled prophecies. They either happened during the time of the Scripture or since. And there's still 3,000 prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. And the Bible is still speaking to us and changing lives today. Nothing else, no other text is given anywhere near the amount of credit for changing lives as the Bible. Hebrews 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, it gets you. Like it gets right to the heart of the matter. Like it cuts through all the fluff, all the fake stuff, all the facade, and it just gets right to you. And it's alive, and it's relevant still today. Because it's alive, you can, you can be in here, and you can be hearing a verse that you've heard before. Maybe you heard it 10 years ago. Maybe you heard it 50 years ago. And yet... 
because you are changing and you are older now and the Bible is alive and it's finding its way in your heart and soul, you hear it differently and it will impact you differently today than it did however long ago. You'll get something new from this living word of God. It's also alive because we believe that God inspired these words. Second Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God and is used to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Now that's mysterious because you're like, well, the real people that wrote it, right? Yeah, they're real people. In a real time, uh-huh, in a real place, going through actual, like, real-life stuff. And yet we believe that somehow God kind of spoke and inspired and, and made it work, even though they're imperfect human beings and he did this thing. Yeah, it's, it's mysterious. It's mysterious how he did it, but there's just something about it. Over three continents, 400 authors, three different languages, 1,600 years, and it's woven together in this fluid story of God that somehow, strangely, I admit, still manages to speak to us on days like today and seats like you're in. And even when you're on a retreat, like the 50 guys at our men's retreat that are just finishing up right now, it, it has a way of speaking. Even when you're, when you're by yourself and alone and you just open it up and you just kind of did the, this page and you find something, you're like, wow, that actually speaks to me. I, this, this is weird. I don't know how this, this happened. But you might ask, what about all the crazy stuff? <laughs> You know, like, like, isn't there a bunch of crazy stuff in the Bible? I haven't actually read it, but I heard that there's like weird stuff and crazy, especially in that Older Testament thing, right? Isn't there, isn't there a bunch of weird things? Or maybe you ask, but isn't the Bible, people tell me the Bible's irrelevant today. Isn't that true? Or I've tried to read it, but I've just gotten stuck. Like I can't get past some of these words and some of these ideas. Here's a couple of things that I want to suggest to you. One, context matters. Context matters matters. So it's important to look and to realize that these are written by actual people in an actual place at an actual time, and there's things going on in that cultural context and in their environments and in their lives that we just don't quite understand. And so it's helpful to get some historical background and realize, no, no, this is an agrarian culture, and so you have to understand some of the ways that they operate, and, and it's all, there's agriculture terms, and there's these kind of things, and whatever. Or, or, or this guy was a fisherman, and so he's looking at it from this perspective. That helps. That helps when you look at Scripture, to know that time and that place. It's like a time capsule. Imagine if you were to put a bunch of stuff into your own time capsule and someone else picked it up, you know, 200 years from now, and they're like, who are, you know, the you 2 Like, that's a weird name. This music sounds strange, right? It, it, it's like it would be a disconnect in that amount of time. But when you understand the context, it makes a lot more sense. Also, the context of the whole of Scripture because you know, don't you, that anyone can take a word or a phrase or a, an idea out of the Bible, out of context, and make it mean whatever they want, right? And so understanding the whole context of the Bible is also important. The, the, the general themes and the things that God says repeatedly and over and over again, because this might sound like a contradiction unless you see the, the overall theme and what it's doing for what purpose, and then you, you get it. So that's, that's the one thing. Context matters. The second thing is principles endure. These principles, they, they don't change. It's, it's how God's designed and wired the world, and the principles endure. It doesn't matter what context you're in. 
If, if something is true, it's still true, it's still true, it's still true, and it's still helpful. You find principles and, and truths and proverbs and, and wisdom and things like that, and you're like, man, yes, that is every bit as true today. It doesn't matter if 2,000 years ago and the culture and the context was totally different. That is a principle that is still relevant to my life right now. And then the third thing is that love is the foundation. This is really, really important. Love is the foundation. As you look at Scripture, it's so clear and God says himself, God is love. He is love. And as you read the themes, you see that the story arc of the Bible is that human beings, we reject our designer and we go our own way. And yet our designer, our creator does not give up on us. He pursues us. He forgives us. He makes a way for us to be restored into relationship with him. And he reminds us how it is that we can live a better life and not continue to torture ourselves in this downward spiral. It's this pursuit of loving relationship. And so anybody that takes a Bible and beats it over somebody's head and says, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you're far, you're, you're this, you're that, you're whatever, and uses it to isolate, to judge, to, to keep away from, doesn't get the Bible. They just don't understand it because that's not what God is about. This is a letter of love in pursuit of his people. And everyone is screwed up. And no one fully gets it, but everyone is forgiven. They just need to receive his compassionate, loving pursuit of them. So love is the foundation of all the stuff that you read. First John, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's about relationship restored, relationship with God first and foremost, but also with each other. And so these writers of this scripture, they're saying, we're just telling you what we've seen. We're just telling you what we've heard, what we've witnessed. We're just telling you what has happened in our own life and in our own story that, that we want to communicate to you. We just want you to get this. You make, your, you make up your own mind for yourself, but this is what I've experienced. Here you go. This is, I, I watched him do this. It's crazy, but look at this. I mean, it changes everything. And that's why we tell stories up here all the time. We have people come up live and in person and tell their story. We show videos on the screen because that's the real stuff, isn't it? Where this God of truth intersects our actual lives and changes things, that's what it's all about. And it's simply people's lives have been changed that are writing these things for the sake of others, that they might see and believe. The Bible is about that. So consider this. If you have just kind of like downloaded somehow instinctively negative connotations and associations with the Bible, where do you get them from? Think about where you get them from. Maybe something confused you when you were younger. Maybe someone judgmental idiot person beat you over the head with stuff with one phrase that made them feel superior to you or made you feel bad about yourself. Or maybe someone just wanted to justify ignoring the Bible so they didn't have to change. Ask yourself, is that a life I want to emulate? Do I think that they have the secret sauce and the truth and I'm going to follow that? <laughs> Probably not. But then ask yourself, maybe if this text has been preserved and followed, by some of the most remarkable 
simple, regular, and yet transformed lives over the course of 2,000, 3,000 plus years, maybe, maybe there's something in it for me. Maybe there's something there that's worth considering. So let's say that you were just like a little bit, a little bit open, interested to exploring this idea of what the Bible might say to you. Where would you start? I brought a few things with me, just a little show and tell. This is, a, uh, this is an NIV study Bible. This is what I used uh, in my like, early 20s. Someone gave me this, and it was helpful to me because in it you go through, but you got about a third of the page is designated to like, extra notes. So it helped me feel like I was getting a beat on some of, the, some of the extra stuff behind the scenes. You can get on the internet now, you can get resources, you can learn anything you want to learn if you really want to, right? You can find it. But this is helpful because it's all in one place, and uh, I, found, I found this to be interesting, and it was my companion. I, I still can visualize and picture myself in the, in the squishy chair, the down, blue down chair that had been passed down for like three generations. And as a college student, you're like, I'll take anything. And so it was just sitting in my small little um, apartment at, up in LA. And I would sit on that almost every morning and I would just, I would just read a few verses, a couple of chapters maybe. Uh, and then what I would do is I would take out this journal that apparently Indiana Jones gave me. And... Uh, <laughs> And I would write down stuff that I was learning. And I would write, and this, this particular one uh, is blank. It's, uh, it's no lines. And so, because sometimes I like to draw stuff. I'm not a very good artist, but sometimes a picture is better than just some, some things written down. So that might be helpful if you're, if you're more right-brained. You can do the, the no line thing. Um, then this is a Bible that Hillary has, uh, has used. This is the TNIV, today's NIV, which is NIV, but just a slightly more modernized version of it. And here's the thing. There's a bunch of different translations, and sometimes it helps to switch from one to another and just freshen things up. And, and maybe you read something in a slightly different way, and it just helps you get it. And she puts uh, these little tabs in here. These are verses that she wanted to memorize and remember. This is a Bible that somebody gave me as a gift that I love because I could fit it in my pocket before there were like cell phones with Bibles on them. You know what I mean? And so I would take this with me and travel with it, and that was cool. This is uh, the blue Bible that we have at the back of the rooms, and the back of the room here. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can just take one of these if you'll read it and just make it your own, and you can start uh, today reading from that. I have found, honestly, that these days I read the Bible more on these two devices than anything else or on my laptop, just because they're with me, it's convenient, and I find myself uh, now, if I'm just stopped somewhere, if I'm in a waiting room, if I'm, a, if I'm somewhere and I'm waiting for someone else, I, I can just grab this out, and I have the YouVersion Bible app. It's free, you just open it up, and I just read a few verses, right? I try, as a discipline, to make myself do that instead of check social media. So I do that first, and I let some, some of God's word kind of rattle around inside of me, and then I might do something else. So that's a simple way. If you're here and you're like, I kind of like to explore this, but I'm not exactly sure where to start, I would recommend you starting in the Gospels that we talked about, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Maybe just start in Mark. Just read that. Just look for Jesus' words, his actual life and ministry and miracles and his words. Start there, read those things. After you read that, then consider going on online or onto this YouVersion uh, Bible app, and you can download and you can look at uh, the uh, plan, a reading plan for the whole New Testament. And you could read the New Testament in like a month or three months or, or whatever long it takes you. 
And you can do that. And then in January, at the beginning of the year, we're actually going to go through the Bible together. We're going to suggest a book, and we're going to go through the whole Bible, a daily reading every day. And you can build up to that if you want. But there's just practical, simple ways. You can also get it um, audio, right? CD or MP3, and you can listen to it while you run or in your car. Uh, Another thing to make sure that you consider is to be in a group. So if you're not in a life group, you, you should be. If you haven't done Rooted, you can jump in that in the fall, but we can get you connected with other people for the time being. And it's helpful to process and to talk about stuff with others. Start there, ask questions, see, see what you can discover. And, and then if you still need help, talk to one of us, Neil, Erica, Graham, me. Shoot us an email. We can point you in the right direction for other resources. We'd love to, we'd love to help you do that. Because Scripture is... The, the place right in front of us at our fingertips where we can get a glimpse of God, where we can see him, where we can hear from him. And it's a really helpful filter for the other ways that we hear from God to discern. And uh, the next way, so we, li- we hear from God by looking into the scriptures. We also listen to Jesus by looking up at the sky. That's the second thing, by looking up at the sky. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Creation is whispering to you all the time. You just look up at the, at, at the sky and you see these stars and you realize that, that the closest star is so, so far away. It's crazy. You know that all the stars that you see are bigger than our sun? And that the stars, with, with the naked eye, you can, the human eye can see 20 quadrillion. I don't even know what that is. It's like six sets of three zeros. 20 quadrillion miles is where the closest star is, the furthest star that we can see with our eyes. I mean, they're just out there. And, and there are scientists, really smart people, who believe that just maybe, just maybe, the number of stars in the sky might be equal. I mean, it's infinite. They're out there. We can't even know how far they go. But they might be equal to the numbers of grain, grains of sand on the beach of the earth. Wouldn't that be cool if God did that? He's just like, one for one, and one for one, and one for one. <laughs> and you get to the end, and he's like, it's a perfect, it's a shooting star. There goes one grain. I don't know. <laughs> but that's just the kind of thing that he would do, right? Because he's speaking to us in the vastness, in the incredible expanse of how big he is, and at the same time, how personal, how granular, right underneath your toes, he's that close, He created everything that's around you on this playground called earth. And you breathe in the oxygen generated by plants and trees and you smell them and you see the beauty and you see the landscapes and the mountains and the things and God is talking to you. He's speaking about his closeness, his nearness, his love for you. Some of you feel like that's where you connect with God really is in nature, right? You're like, that's where I feel the most connected when I'm up on a mountain or when I'm skiing or when I'm doing this or when I'm surfing. And and that's awesome. There's a reason for that because God speaks through his creation. It's a real thing. You are close to God. He is probably whispering to you. 
But it doesn't mean you should ignore the Bible, right? Maybe what you do is you read a verse or two and then you go for a walk. You go for a run. Or you just build into your calendar that you, you camp once a month. And instead of just making it about beans, you make it about, you know, connecting with God too. I don't know where the beans came from. It was just a, <laughs> just a weird thing. We listen to Jesus, one, by looking into the scriptures, two, by looking up at the skies, and then three, by looking back at our own stories. God's speaking to you in your own story. He's speaking to you in your journey, speaking to you in the path that your life has gone. He's speaking to you in the relationships that he's given you, in the skills and abilities that he's given you. He speaks to you in the opportunities that you have. He's even, he's even weaving together a story out of the pain, out of the brokenness, out of the disappointment, even the stuff that you screwed up. God has a way of working things for good. I have a photo of a tapestry. You see on the left, it's crazy, it's chaos. There's thread and yarn and whatever else that is. It's just everywhere, like my, like my two-year-old got to it. And then over here, you have the image of what's really happening on the front. That's the art. That's the beauty. That's what, that's what the artist, the designer intended us to see. But behind the scenes, it's, it's chaotic. It, it doesn't look like it makes sense. And we're the same way. When you're looking at your life right now, perhaps, it doesn't make sense. It's like, why is this going on? How could, how could anything good come of this? I've screwed up too much. I've gone too far. I'm a mess. Where do we go from here? And it looks, it just looks chaotic. It looks unpurposeful. And yet you flip it around and God's telling a story. He's telling a story that's bigger, that's better than you even realize. He's using even the bad stuff. He didn't do it to you, but he can work it for good. And he does. And he's whispering to you along the way that God will never waste your pain he will leverage that pain for the good of somebody else if you choose to. That God won't waste your past. There is good that can come from it. The question is, will you trust him? Will you walk with him? Will you listen to him? Ask yourself, what is God saying to me through my story? What is God saying to me through this journey that I'm on? What is God saying to me in open and in closed doors in my life? What is God saying to me through the relationships that are in my life right now? What's God saying to me through the frustrations that I've been having? What's God saying? Is he speaking to me in my journey? What's God saying to me through his word? Does this same verse or idea keep coming up? Does he really want me to get this? Every time I show up, Caleb's talking about this, but I hear this and it keeps happening. What does he want me to do? Maybe he's speaking to you in creation that's all around you. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? It's not a matter of whether or not God speaks. And it's not a matter of whether or not you're good enough, spiritual enough, holy enough to hear from him. It's simply a question of whether or not you're listening whether or not you're paying attention. And you can listen to Jesus with your eyes by looking into his word 
by looking up at his creation, by looking back at your own journey. And he'll speak to you. God, I pray that you would continue to speak. I pray that you would whisper. I pray that you would prompt. I pray that you would inspire. I pray that you would encourage. And I pray that you would give us the courage to listen to you and to respond.